NBA Australia, how are you going? It is NBA Australia, it's Friday, 2GIF, am I right? Fuck it, Friday. May 20th, it's gonna be May. I'm your host, James Clements, uh, here in Larry Armour Studios, in a hoodie. Gonna be cold, tell you what. Hanging out, giving you the lowdown and all the ins and outs of the playoffs. Playoffs. I'll rip Australia a bit. Uh, today... Pretty easy show. Eastern Conference Finals Game 2, a fascinating Heat Celtics blowout. Just what we're all about in the Conference Finals, apparently. Uh, so we'll wrap that in the NBA Australia Game Wraps. Uh, we've got That's Not a Knife, All Mate, No Mate, Spud of the Night, Better Than Lonzo Ball. We've got Dickhead of the Week. It is Friday, after all. There's some yeah, nahs. There's the unpopular opinion of the day. And there's our back takeouts. Where we're serving up. A flame grilled take. Uh, no Australian player watch, because no Aussies involved today. But we do have a Luke Longley Memorial bloke who just does their bloody job role player of the week award. I enjoyed that. And there's a uh, NBA Australia game preview and pick for all of the weekend's games, which is games two and three of Mavs Warriors and game three of Heat Celtics. So, yeah, that'll be good. And then we'll finish over the classic Cooking with Bainesy. Always love a good classic Cooking with Bainesy. Right, fun show. Let's get into it. Episode 820. Let's go. This is Joe Ingalls, and you're listening to NBA Australia. Watch out for the shark attack! Ah, you better. Better watch out for the smart and Tatum and take you the heat. Jeez. (laughs) You better watch out for the uh, sore legs attack if you're me. Jesus. Try running, Jimmy. Nah, that'll be sweet, bro. I want to die. (laughs) My legs are so sore. Anyway, let's start today's show the way we start every show here at NBA Australia with a daily whip around. Uh, Today's game featured one Marcus Smart and one Al Holford. Bit strange, you might say, because they didn't play in game one. Holford was out in the COVID protocols. That was the quickest COVID protocols ever. You better believe Adam Silver got on the old dog and bone and went, hey, uh... Yeah, we're not testing him anymore, are we? Everyone's like, ah, I mean, we should. It's like, no, we're not testing him, are we? And the ones that you saw today, what were they? Uh, Well, they were positive. They were negative, weren't they? (laughs) Get Al out on the court and shut up. (laughs) Uh, One Celtic who didn't play today, Derek White. He was a uh, late scratch. He had to go back to Boston for the birth of his first child. Isn't that nice? Good on him. That's gnarly. Anyone who's, like, criticizing, like, Derek White about that is a fucking lunatic. (laughs) Oh, no, man, he should definitely be playing. Shut up, idiot. Let the man go home for the birth of his kid. Jesus. Anyway, other little bits of news. DeAndre Ayton. Enjoyed this one today. There's, like, a couple of uh, articles floating around. Bleacher reporter, like, oh, yeah, James Jones, the GM of Phoenix, is pretty keen on bringing DeAndre Ayton back. And then you read the article, and the quote's like, He's been here. He's been a big part of what we do. His future with us is something we will address at a proper time, which is in the future. He's a free agent, and I've said all along, he's about the same things we're about, which is winning. We'll address it at the proper time. Uh, I don't know about you, <laughs> but to me, that just screams, oh, yeah, if he wants to take a haircut and change his fucking attitude, we want him back. Jesus. 
Uh, Mitch Cupcake. Uh, Mitch Cupcake. <laughs> Mitch Cupjack. Sticking in Charlotte as their GM. Uh, signed a multi-year contract extension. Good on him. He's done a pretty good job there, I guess, in Charlotte. Pretty handy that Lamello fell to him because the uh, Warriors overthunked it and uh, landed James Huaz, man. Um, but still, you know, Gordy Haywood. Got some big, big, big decisions to make this offseason, you know, including getting a new coach. But good job, Mitch. All right, sure. And the last little bit of news, J. Cole. Everyone's least favorite rapper. <laughs> uh, signing a contract with the Scarborough Shooting Stars in the Canadian Elite Basketball League. That's his second year playing uh, pro, which is pretty funny. Good on him. <laughs> Everybody can dream, especially if you've got a shit ton of money and you're a famous guy. Right, let's start today's game wraps the way we do it with this. Game wrap, 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 game wrap. That's right. Game two of the Eastern Conference Finals, 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 finals. Was a shit pumping. Boston 127, Miami 102. Crazy weird game. Uh, What a turnaround this was. It was like a 21-point turnaround in the first quarter by Boston. And everything was, like, pretty crazy, right? Like, early on, Miami were absolutely flying. So you might remember from game one, Boston won three of the four quarters of that game but got so just expertly spanked by Miami in uh, the third quarter that they lost the game. And the Heat little guys were buzzing early, right? The Mosquito Fleet. I love the Mosquito Fleet. It was in full flight. You had a three for Vince and a couple for Struess. The Heat were looking good. They're up 18-8. And uh, like in the first five minutes, they were absolutely smashing them. They were flying around, looking good, stymieing Boston. Boston was sort of like just looking a little bit sluggish. And then bang! The turnaround. A 62-27 to run after that. <laughs> Holy shit. 62-27 in a half of basketball. So the way the Celtics got there is they went, well, we'll hit a couple of threes. They were still down like 15-21. to And the big difference was the defense, right? There was like four minutes ago in that first quarter, and they just stopped the Heat from scoring. Like the Heat just could not manufacture anything. There was a couple of turnovers, a couple of blocks, and just some pretty tough shots missed. So it goes from 15, the Celtics, 21 Heat, to 32 Celtics, Heat still on 21. That's a 17 to zip run. And they literally just stopped the Heat from scoring for pretty much the rest of the first quarter uh, with like four minutes to go until J-Butt hits a three. And then they give up another 15 to four run. And you turn around and go, oh shit, Miami down 19. And the game was just about out of hand. And it only got worse. <laughs> so, like, the weirdest part for me watching this was that uh, Miami, like, Hero got out there and he's always a change of pace. And he was flying around, flying around, flying around, uh, kicking ass, taking names. But at the same time, he also missed a couple of shots where you're like, oh, I feel like if he hits one of these, he's going to be rolling and no dice. Um, and that was kind of... What kept happening? He kept, like, he had one and one shot, which was pretty nice. But then nothing else. Like, Bam finally scored in the second quarter for, like, the first time all game. And Vincent hit their only three of the second quarter. But Tatum just took the game away from them. 
That's exactly what happened. He had 17 in the second quarter, and everybody on the Celtics was getting involved. Like, even Smart couldn't hit a shot in the first half. He turned around. He hit one in the in the second quarter, but Brown, Pritchard, Williams, Time Lord, like, they all got involved. And Boston were absolutely flying. They managed to knock in, like, you know, 11 threes. And you're like, oh, God, what is going on? <laughs> and that's exactly what the Heat were thinking. In the first half, they end up going 12 of 19 from downtown, absolutely losing their fucking minds. Four turnovers to eight. They keep the Heat to 40% shooting while shooting basically 60% themselves. That's wild Marcus Smart shooting two of 11, mind you. Like, that's pretty crazy. And you look at around and go, hang on a second, what the fuck just happened? It was 70 to 45 at the half. 70 to 45. It was a 25-point lead. It was absolute chaos. It was the biggest halftime lead the Celtics have ever had in franchise history. This is a franchise that's been to 37 conference finals. It was nuts. And uh, like the, I think the... Like, kind of the fun stat they kept throwing up on the uh, broadcast was how many of the threes, the Celtics, was it 11 of 34, I think, in game one? And they go 12 of 19 in the first half today. And, uh, yeah, 70 to 45 at the half. You could basically just go, right, the Heat, they turned it around last game after uh, being down at the half. And, no, they didn't today. They pretty much got, well, they at least pretty much played the Celtics to a standstill, but... That doesn't help when you're down 25 because it still leaves you down 25. And that's what happened. Like Jimmy Butler, he was trying. Look, to quote Mark Jackson, got to give him credit. He had 16 in the third quarter by himself. No one else could do shit. Like even Spo, he uh, reheated the uh, frozen in carbonite Duncan Robinson. Uh, but he couldn't hit anything either. And they, the weirdest part, I think, for me watching this was that the Heat could never, ever string more than two stops together. Like, there's just nothing. The Celtics, everything was dropping and just nothing was going right at all for uh, the Heat because, like, Tatum and then Smart just got absolutely rolling in that third quarter. I think Smart ends up with 11 in the third. He hits a couple of threes. Tatum hits a three. He ends up with seven. And uh, that was it. Like, no one stepped up as the second option behind Butts, though. He had 16... Gabe Vincent hit a couple of threes, but that was it. Like, literally nobody else did shit. Oladipo was a wild disappointment. Robinson was a wild disappointment. And you turn around, cool, 25 points, still down, going to the fourth. You look around, like, smart laces a three, and it's 30. <laughs> and you're down 30 in the fourth quarter of Game 2 of the Conference Finals at home. And uh, that was it. That was literally it. It was like 10 minutes of garbage time at the end. Um, the weird part was that Ime Udoka took a little bit of a while to get his uh, starters out of there. Like in the fourth quarter, it took them basically until what, halfway through the quarter to actually pull like Al and Smart and Jalen Brown. Like Tatum sat the entire fourth, which is kind of nice. Like that's the last dude you want out there in a massive blowout. But at the same time, like I can see them going, right, Smart and Al, get a bit of a run under your belt considering you didn't play last game. But really, really, this was... uh, could have uh, pulled them in 10 minutes to go because you're up 30. But either way, that was all. That was it. That was all she wrote. There was nothing that happened in the fourth quarter that was interesting. Like, Smart 
hit those two threes. Jalen Brown hit a three, and it's like, yeah, let's pack her up, boys. We're done. Uh, and that's exactly what the Heat fans did. You love to see that. It's like, oh, what time is it? <laughs> We're going to get home. Uh, the Heat go 10 of 34 from downtown, less than the Celtics hit in the first half. Butler had 29 and 6 and 3. Just the lone gunman out there by himself. Shot 11 of 18. He was really good. 6 of 8 free throws, though. That's 10 less than game one. And, uh, I mean, that's just the simple fact that the Boston Celtics suddenly have Marcus Smart back. And they've got someone who can cover him on the perimeter and stop just that constant, constant penetration from Butler getting towards the bucket, going towards the bucket, getting his body in the paint and drawing fouls. If you force the ball out of his hand, guess what? He's not going to be drawing fouls. The weird part for me, I thought there was Butler in the first half was like a little bit too lackadaisical, a little bit too... And you don't want to go, oh, he was too focused on getting his teammates involved. But also, he kind of was. They were still down 25. Jimmy, you could probably try a bit harder to take over if you want. You don't have to leave it all for the third quarter, my man. But anyway, he was the only one who actually played half decent. Gabe Vincent wasn't too bad. 4 of 8 from 3 for his 14 points. Struce goes 2 of 7 from downtown. That's, well, 2 of 7 from the floor. 6 points for him. Bam, though. Bam's probably the biggest disappointment so far through two games. Super quiet in this one. Six points, nine rebounds, two assists. Took six shots in his 29 minutes. Brutal. There goes my Tyler Hero. Also a rough one. Look, it's weird. Like, in terms of the change of pace that Hero brings, and suddenly you get out there, it's like a turbocharged offense. He's got to hit a three, though. Like, 11 points, 5 of 11 shooting goes 0 of 3 from downtown. And uh, no good. Everyone else was shit house. Duncan, I'd like to have a beer with Duncan. He still can't hit our three. Duncan Robinson, getting paid to do one thing. He's eighty million to do eighty million bucks to do one thing. Duncan. Oh yeah, I don't know if I'm any good at that anymore, man. I <laughs> went four from downtown. Duncan. He went three seven from the floor uh, in fourteen minutes. Victor Oladipo, Jimmy Oladipo ended up with 14. No, he must have had a good game. No, he had two points for the first three quarters, did Victor Oladipo. Like, this was a... Pl- I'm, I'm just literally out here trying to, like, get work in and get myself back into form. Uh, Victor Oladipo vibes. 14 points. Garbage time Garbage time specialist at the moment, Victor Oladipo. And uh, PJ Tucker goes out of this game with a leg, a leg contusion, or at least a knee contusion, which is a bit of a worry because uh, they're like, yeah, he needs to go get an MRI, which, jeez, not great. He ends up with five points, four boards, two or six shooting, one on one from downtown, and he's 21 minutes before he leaves. And that could be uh, a brutal, brutal one for the Heat. Uh, the Celtics, meanwhile, Tatum was incredible, 27-5-5 five five in 31 minutes. What a game from him. Average Al Horford, 10-3-3, three three, but it was a Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart backing up Tatum. That changed this game. 24 for Brown. Eight boards. Three assists. And Marcus Smart. After that crazy, insanely bad first half, where he's like, oh, right. NBA basketball. I remember how to play this. He goes 2 of 11, 1 of 5 from downtown in the first half. And in the second half, (laughs) just goes, nah, guys. Guys, guys. 6 of 11, 4 of 7 from downtown. Amazing game from Marcus Smart. Played his ass off. Played his fucking hat out. Played 40 minutes. He played the most minutes on the team as well. Ends up with 24 points, 9 boards, 12 assists, only 1 foul, 3 steals, and a single turnover. 8 of 22 from the floor. 5 of 12 from downtown. Great job by Smart. Grant Williams turned around a spudly effort in game 1. 19 points, 4 boards, went 2 of 2 from 3. 
Very handy. Much better defensively as well. And, I mean, this is it. Like, he ends up with 5,000 in his 32 minutes, Grant Williams, but it didn't impact his defensive game. Much more keyed in. Uh, Pritchard, 10 points, 2 rebounds, 2 assists in 23 minutes. Goes 4 of 8 from the floor. They only played the 7 dudes for most of the game as well without Derek White. And it worked. But I think the big thing was uh, watching the Celtics adjust on the fly and go, right, cool, the Heat are switching to a zone. They're trying to junk shit up. Guess what? Here's Tatum just driving into the teeth of it, splitting the zone and busting it wide open. Smart passing out of high screens and just just having smart out there obviously made such a big difference on both ends of the floor that it was pretty crazy. I'll talk about that in a second. Either way, the series is tied 1-1. We're going back up to or shipping up to Boston. That's uh, State of Massachusetts, actually. That's the wrong song, Jimmy. What are you doing? <laughs> but either way, the Celtics have stolen home court advantage back. They got three of the next five games at home. And uh, the craziest thing for me was, like, I picked the Celtics, and I didn't realize that they were four and zip in uh, games after they've lost so far these playoffs. And the Heat was 7-0 and at home. So it was the uh, immovable object <laughs> versus the unstoppable force. And the Heat dropped a 7-1 and one at home now. So great win for the Celtics. A series-changing win, if you ask me. And now let's do an NBA Australia-approved performance of the night. That's not a knife. That's a knife. Oh, I've got two here. Jason Tatum, what a game. 27, 5 and 5, 32 minutes, 8 of 13 shooting. 8 of 13 he shot. 4 of 6 from 3, 7 of 7 free throws, 3 turnovers after our last game's horror show. He was amazing. Like, he was absolutely amazing. I mentioned this on yesterday's preview that it felt like a big Tatum game. And the fact that he didn't need to play the fourth quarter, pretty cool. I mean, anytime you can get a little bit of rest as a bit of a superstar, running yourself ragged, hanging out, his kids there. He's just like chilling. It was great. But there was a three that he hit just before the end of the third quarter that put them back up 25 after Miami had like uh, pulled off a couple of little runs. They got it down to like, I don't know, 17. <laughs> You're like, oh, God. If that's like the best <laughs> you can sort of go for. But I think it was. Yeah, it was like 17, I think, in the third. Sort of just getting towards it. And Miami have that, you know, little voice in the back of the head going, oh, man. If you can get it down to, like, under 15 going into the fourth quarter, you've still got a... Nah, bang! That's the sound of the door being slammed in their face. And uh, it was because Tatum just laces a three at the end of the third. Puts him back up 25. Uh, Smart was hitting shots as well. But that was it. Like, it just sucked that three that he hit to put them back up 25. Really just sucked the air and energy out of the building. After uh, those, mo- no, the very concerted effort by the Heat to try to get back into the game, and that was it. Like that was la- the single last run they had because like it ballooned out to what thirty four in the fourth quarter. So, uh, great job by Tatum, just putting the boot in when the boot needed to put it be put in. And Marcus Smart, like he's got to be an NBA Australia approved pre- <laughs> performer of the night because what an insane oversized impact he has for this team on both ends. Yes, he's the defensive player of the year, but. I talked about in after game one that like Al Horford, Marcus Smart on offense, maybe they just hit one or two shots in that third quarter run that the Heat pull off. Maybe their defense just changes it a little bit, and they uh, the game is completely different. And then you saw it today, like Smart in the second half going, oh, God, I can't hit a shot. Doesn't matter. 
goes out in the second half, starts lacing fucking everything. But his defense in the first half, it was literally like there was a wall around the paint for the Heat. And a lot of that smart stopping the point of attack, that's the length of Tatum and Brown and throwing Al Horford back out there who just knows where to be like at all times. But the amount of times like there was a Heat sort of drive towards the paint that got walled off and they had to like pull it back out and reset just time and time again. So much of that was just the sheer size of Marcus Smart, Grant Williams and co. And it was incredible. And Smart just played his ass off. Also, how much better did Boston feel with a dude who can actually dribble and pass and just not give the ball up? <laughs> so he has, what, one turnover? Like, and 12 assists. That's a pretty good ratio if you ask me for a point guard. He ends up with a plus 31 for the game. Uh... That's not actually the best because I think Pritchard was 30, plus 39 and Grant Williams was plus 37, but 31 is the best of the starters. He was awesome. Marcus Smart changed the complete outlook and facet of everything the Celtics did. So you better believe that's an NBA Australia approved performer of the night. He and Jason Tatum. Who was Spud of the night though? Spud, 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 Spud of the night. I mean, Spud of the night, Aaron Naismith goes 0 of 3 in 7 minutes. It's like, Aaron, can you hit a shot this series, mate? Like, this is garbage time. They're not paying attention. You still can't hit anything. But still, he's handy, whatever. The rest of the Heat starters, though, are probably going to get a collective spot of the night. Even though Gabe, Vincent, Struis weren't too bad. 29 points for Jimmy Butler. Pretty cool. Good on him. 31 for everybody else combined. You just can't have that in a way, like in an Eastern Conference Finals game two to have one dude do all the heavy lifting and no one else show up. Like they shot 12 of 29 combined as well for those 31 points. So... If they're going to get only 31 points and do it at horrible efficiency, yeah, you're going to get absolutely smoked. That's what happened. Smoke spuds. There you go. Old mate, no mates. Old mate, no mates. Old mate, no mates. Old mate, no mates. Who's got no mates today? Uh, I enjoyed Bob Cousy coming in off the uh, top rope on JJ Redick uh, about how Bob Cousy, you know, played against firemen and plumbers and stuff like that. And Bob Cousy's like, people with less talent will always try to make a name for themselves. A few of the firemen and plumbers I played with and against, Bill Russell, Will Chamberlain, I guess they must have fought fires. <laughs> I mean, it's not exactly J.J. Reddick's point, but at the same time, <laughs> Bob Cousy just going, hey, fuck you, J.J., is pretty great. Good job, Bob. Pantsing of the night. A couple here. There was a great block by Tyler Hero on Smart that I believe was called a foul. And uh, it was one of just a great chase down block. He sort of grazes his head with his arm though. So you're like, yeah, I guess that's a foul. But it was just a great moment of like, oh shit. And Grant Williams kind of got got as well. But I think that was one, a little bit more of a foul. But I could do nothing but think about how if Jeff Van Gundy had his way even attempting those like those blocks would be a flagrant because <laughs> Jeff Van Gundy's off his fucking head and a dipshit. Hey, we can't have the swipe out from behind blocks in basketball. Shut up, Jeff, you old bastard, etc. Um, 
I understand that Jeff Van Gundy, when he was making that very, very dumb point, oh, we've got to try to protect people when they're like trying to shoot. Yeah, but also you got to let people play defense, Jeff. Shut up. Pantsings of the night, however, there's two ones that stand out for me. Struess. Oh, Maxie Struess got absolutely fucking wrecked by Marcus Smart. He got danced out of his boots. Smart gave him the old one-two Costa Zoo. Gave the old, oh, look at this, I've got this way. Oh, no, I've gone that way. Oh, bang. Drops him, hits the jumper, and it's always so much better when they hit the jumper. So great job, Marcus Smart. And then one of the great moments that you might have missed, Peyton Pritchard gave the old too small gesture. Too small, too small on Tyler Hero after he scored. If Peyton Pritchard's giving you the too small, you better believe that's a pantsing. Righto. Better than Lonzo Ball? Lonzo was the best player in high school. He was the best player in college. You think you're going to get to the pros and be like, I made it to the pros, now I can be average. We're coming for everybody. Coming for everybody. Uh, How about Sauce Castillo? Jimmy, are you seriously bringing up Nick Stauskas right now? Yes. Yes, I am. Um, (laughs) Because Nick Stauskas had three points. He went one or two from downtown in four minutes. One of three from the floor. He had one rebound and two assists. That is better than all of Lonzo Ball's career playoff stats combined. That's right. Sauce Castillo having the last laugh. Nick Stauskas today better than Lonzo Ball. But also Peyton Pritchard. What a game today. 10-2-2 plus 39. What a great game he played. Uh, Absolutely just hit some shots where they're like, oh, shit. Nope, cool. We're piling it on now. Cool. Four of eight from the floor. Two of six from downtown. Hell of a game by Peyton Pritchard. He's also better than Lonzo Ball. And finally, it's Friday, Dickhead of the Week. Dickhead of the Week! CP can't guard anybody, man. Everybody in the NBA know that. You know those cones in the summer that you dribble around? What does the cone do? Nothing. He's a cone. It's just what y'all don't want to accept that. Give him the Ben Simmons slander. (laughs) Pat Beverly. Look, Pat Beverly yelling about Chris Paul and then bringing about everybody's ire was great. Dame, JJ Redick, Danny Green, Matt Barnes, Jeremy Lin. Everybody's going, Pat Bev, shut the fuck up, you dickhead. It's literally, he went on ESPN for two days and it was like a mad dog barking at the postman. (laughs) Like, they don't know what's happening, but they don't like it and they're angry, so they're going to make it a racket. That's what Pat Bev did. Love to see it. All right, let's do some Yenars right after this. This is Cam Glidden. This is Anthony Drimmick. This is Mitch McCarran. This is Jason Kiddie. This is Daryl McDonald. Hey, guys, this is Hugh Greenwood. Yo, what's going on? This is Ellie. This is Mark Worthington, or commonly known as Wertho, and you're listening to NBA Australia. You're listening to NBA Australia. And you're listening to NBA Australia. And you're listening to NBA Australia. 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 All right, time for some Yenars, brought to you by the NBA Australia Shop. People, get your merch, get your merch. Wear it. Get your merch, get your merch. Get your merch, get your merch. Yeah, listen to them. Go get your merch from the NBA Australia Shop, nbaaustralia.com slash shop. Go do it right now. Look, hey, as I mentioned yesterday, we've got builders. Got to do some stuff to the house. I've got to move a bunch of shit. 
So it'd be really good if you bought some t-shirts. I don't have to pack them all back up again. Right. <laughs> so do that. Click on the links uh, through the socials or just go to mbaaustralia.com slash shop. Uh, use the nice Spotify stuff. All right. Let's not Spotify, Shopify, what I'm talking about. Right, let's do some ENRs. Number one, did you nail this one today, Jimmy? ENR, yeah. Celtics lose game one. Turn around, come out and smash them. Uh, win in six easily. That prediction is still very much alive as well. I think Stephen A. Smith came out and said, they're going to win in five. It's like, okay, Stephen. Okay. I mean, geez. What was that? What the hell was that? I mean, I'm asking you, what the hell was that? I say six. I'm giving the Heat a little bit of credit. Uh, but speaking of which, can the Heat get one in Boston? Yeah, nah. Nah. I don't think they do because I just think the offense, like, if you can't put it together at home to that degree today, then I'd be struggling to go, right, cool. We can definitely do it on the road against Boston. But at the same time, look, Miami, all the way through this postseason, they do sort of go against what you might think. They go against the grain. They'll screw you around. But I just can't quite see, like, especially at home for Boston, right? Like the Celtics role players stepping up on D at home. That D just getting frantic and frantic and frantic. They... The role players maybe hit some shots as well, again, like they did today. I do think there will be some hairy moments, though, in Game 3 and 4 for Boston, but I think with that home crowd, as soon as they get anything going on offense, it's just going to get that little bit easier. Uh, For Miami, though, I mean, there's some pretty clear and easy answers, I think. Like, they've got to get Bam way more involved. Like, he's amazing when he's operating as, like, the sort of offensive fulcrum, right? And they've gone completely away from that. Like, that also makes the other team's big guys sort of pay attention, scramble around him, and uh, it makes their sort of rotations just that little bit tougher and a little bit sloppier. And it also, like, means that Vincent and Struess get that little bit more open. It gives Hero that little bit more space as well to operate. So it opens up the entire Heat offense. And, like, Bam, for big chunks of this season, is just not being able to sort of put that together. And it's very strange. Because you go back two years when they're in the finals, like, his Eastern Conference Finals, like, just absolutely shredding the Celtics. Like, here we are now, like, a couple of years later, and you'd think that he'd be better, and just nothing going on. It's weird. Ugh. But I think, look, the Heat can also look at uh, Vincent and Struess, go, look, maybe if we get a couple more shots to fall, we get a little bit more offense from everybody else. But Bam has really got to be the man who steps up. Um, are you disappointed by Wiktor Oladipo? Yeah, nah, nah. Because my expectations of uh, Wiktor are so low at this point that you kind of just have to go, like, anything that he gives you is, like, found money. He's like the opposite of reflex. You can't rely on him. But at the same time, when you don't have big booty Kyle Lowry out there, it's one of those moments when you realize that you're no longer playing Philly. <laughs> and on the depot, it's just like, ah, oh, wait, these guys know how to play defense. Shit. And can't get rolling. And they need that extra little bit of burst of playmaking, that little bit of burst of extra burst of offense that he can sometimes provide. And he's just not quite there yet. Like, when you blow out a hammy as bad as he did, and it's just completely fucked for years, it's going to be a while to come back, but... You would like to see just a little bit more playmaking now, you know? Anyway, 
Speaking of which, would Kyle Lowry change anything? Yeah, nah. Nah. Not current Kyle Lowry, at least. Like 2019 Kyle Lowry? Sure. 2022 Bung Hammy Kyle Lowry? Nah. I just don't think he'd be able to give you enough on offense and, like, you'd be able to, you know, run stuff for him. Like, he might be able to give you just that little bit of extra shooting out there, perhaps, that you can rely on. But if PJ Tucker's hurt and they don't have Kyle Lowry, jeez. Tell you what, it is looking fucking dire. Dire for Miami. Anyway. Uh, what about Dallas? Can they snag one in Golden State, Jimmy? Yeah, nah. Oh, I'm going to get to that in the previews. I think nah. I think tomorrow's game is a lot closer, but I still think Golden State pull it out. Unpopular opinion of the day. Now look at me, please. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Now what did I say about overreacting to game ones? What did I say? I said, don't do it. We're going to have learnt from these playoffs. <laughs> you can't overreact to game once. Um, but that said, look, I love Dallas. I love them. I think Luke is awesome. They're a fun team to watch. Like, especially when they're on. Like, it, very similar to like the 2011 Mavs, right? They win the title. Like, when they're on, they're a fucking delight. And when they're struggling, you can see, like, exactly why. Which is kind of nice. Like, for my dumb basketball brain, I'm like, yes, that makes perfect sense. Uh, but at the same time, like, Dallas, the overreaction, I think they can still fight back into that series, though. Because I think they've got the horses. They've got a superstar. They've got defenders. It's just going to come down to shooting. And the unpopular opinion of the day might be just simply that, are we sure just collectively, that game by game, shooting variance just isn't the biggest fucking thing going right now. Like, I think it kind of is, right? Like, you saw the Celtics completely blow this one open by nailing a bunch of threes. And what happened yesterday for Dallas? Couldn't buy a fucking three, and they get rolled. If Dallas turn around and smash a bunch of threes in game two, they might win. Like, it's pretty weird. Either way, um, look, it'd be pretty funny if, if, like, two of my favorite teams from when I was a kid, Dallas and uh, Boston, grew up, you know, loving Larry Bird, loved uh, the Triple J Dallas Mavericks as well, and uh, but I was always a Sonics fan. But the unpopular opinion of the day, I don't know if this is unpopular, but just you see that Celtics performance today and you see what the Warriors did yesterday and you're like, oh. That finals would be off the fucking hook, wouldn't it? <laughs> hook that shit to my veins. As much as I love Dallas, Celtics Warriors would be just like, yes. It's like just fucking pure basketball heroin. God damn. What about Outback Takehouse? It's Friday at Outback. Now that means, oh yeah, four for one TGIF oil drum cans full of icy cold Foster's Lager. That's right, it's a can as big as your fucking head. Drink it up now. That's right, no one in Australia drinks his horse piss, but shit, we'll flog it off to you dumb yanks. Only at Outback. Goes great with the flame grilled take, and today's flame grilled take is the Celtics sat Marcus Smart and Al Horford and lost game one on purpose so they could make sure they win this in six on their home court. Only at Outback. Uh, yeah, I don't know how that works, but sure. <laughs> 
I think it's very much more likely that uh, the Outback Takeouts, the Flame Grill Take today, is that Adam Silver called up everybody who's doing COVID testing and went, right, we're going full-blown NFL, no tests. I don't give a fuck. We're not have. We're just setting ratings records. We're not testing. I don't want stars sitting out because of fucking COVID protocols. Stop testing, Al. You're playing game two. <laughs> Off you go. And it's like, all right, yes, yes, sir, yes, commissioner. And look, to be honest, as he's uh, vice president of fucking common sense, I'd probably have to concur. All right, let's take a quick break. Be back with Australian Player Watch right after this. This is Matthew Delvedover, and you're listening to NBA Australia. All right, really quick Australian player watch. I just wanted to like uh, have a look at Josh Green very, very, very briefly. And I mentioned like yesterday that uh, his, you know, he got out there and did a little bit of, uh, you know, garbage time cleaning up here and there and... I really, really just want to see him nail that corner three, you know? But at the same time, like, Frankie Smokes gave them so little yesterday. I'm kind of like, let's have a look. Let's let's see what Josh Gray can give us. What are you going to do? Come on. Just saying, let's go, Josh Green. So, just tough scenes, though, so far, this uh, playoffs, Joshy. Right. Anyway, let's get straight to the Luke Longley Memorial bloke who just does their bloody job award. And this one, I'm going to give it to, uh, we already mentioned him in the uh, Lonzo, Better Than Lonzo Ball segment, but Peyton Pritchard. Absolutely Luke Longley, role player of the bloody week, knows their bloody job, just does their bloody job, award winner, vibes. Uh, Because I absolutely love his hustle and energy. He is absolutely probably like one of the more annoying dudes out there if you're going against him, right? And that's some Luke Longley vibes. Like, even if he's getting hunted on defense because he's small, like... He fucking tries his ass off. You know, you think about someone like Jordan Clarkson, like a bench guard who comes in, so like, oh, I can fill it up. It's like, yes, Jordan, but you're giving up as many points as you're scoring. You fucking it's Jordan Clarkson. Peyton Pritchard knows where to be on D. And I think most crucially for me, and most crucially for the Luke Longley Award winning aspect of this, on offense, like the Luke Longley Re- Award rewards dudes who know their bloody job. And Peyton Pritchard's job... He's Peyton Pritchard's job on offense is if the ball gets to you, Peyton, fucking do something quick. Shoot, pass, doesn't matter. Just do it quickly. Do it decisively. And that's part of the Luke Longley world. That's knowing your bloody role, and he knows it. So you love to see that. Good job, Peyton Pritchard. Played his ass off. I mean, it's the exact amount. Like, he played too much last game, but then played, played the exact right amount in this game, I think. You know, 30 minutes is too much. 23 minutes is just right. Right, the Penny Mills Game Day Ball Game Day Twitter check-in. Uh, this one's Jock Landau. Rock him, sock him, block him, Jock him, Landau. Tweeted out yesterday, hardest part of the gig is when it comes time to say goodbye to loved ones. Never gets easier. Oh, Yeah. I mean, living in the States for six years, I can, uh, I feel for him a little bit there. Every time we had to come over, uh, no matter what it was for, it was kind of like, ah. Then you got to bounce and leave everybody, and you're like, oh, it's a bit shit. But anyway, so well well said, Jock. It never does get easier, and it sucks. Right! Let's do the weekend's game previews. Game previews! Game previews! Thanks, Inadvertent Bane. 
Not a problem, Jimmy. Excited for the weekend? Uh, yes. Don't have much planned. We've got a gig on Sunday night. Going to go see Wax and uh, Teen Jesus and the Gene Teasers, who I fucking love. Um, but otherwise, should be nice and chill. Exciting times. Bit of, hate to be a beer in about 25 minutes, though. Jesus. Uh, right, so obviously we went one of one on today's picks. So that puts us back up to 37 of 74 so far these playoffs. You love that? Halfway. We're batting 50%. <laughs> so let's get some right over the weekend, Jimmy. All right, so Saturday we've got game two of Dallas Golden State. Mavs sticking around in San Francisco. Maybe Luke is getting some more beers with Boban. You love to see that. Uh, Dallas is six and a half point underdogs in Golden State, and I'm going Dallas plus six and a half. That's because I think what we saw in game one, Jason Kidd and that staff, we saw last series, games one and two, got a bit funky, got a bit wonky, got a bit shit. (laughs) I mean, but at the same time, like, they kind of, uh, they pulled it off in a way that they looked at games one and two, then went, right, what do we have to do? How do we fix it? And then they fix it. I think they, like, they still, I think they lost game two by 20, but um, at least game one was close. And after game two, it felt like it was over. And then they eke out their game three. Uh, you know, they pretty handily win game three, pretty handily win game four, get smashed again in game five, uh, and beat the shit out of them in game six and seven, right? So, I think what we're going to see is going to kid and co are going to have to rush up that timetable and go right. So no high pick and roll like we were able to, you know, coverages like we had to run against the Suns and uh, Utah a shit ton. I mean, Golden State are too good at passing. We've got to be quicker on our switches, rotations, whatever we're going to do, and they're going to change it up. I think it gets a lot tighter, and I think Dallas just they've got to hit some of their shots this time, right? Question mark. Because they did not in game one. So I think Dallas get this close and I think they just lose it, but it's like a five or six point game. So the fact that they're getting six and a half points with that size, that defense, if they tweak a couple of things, I think they can get right back in this. But I think Golden State win, but Dallas cover. Uh, Because I just think, you know, once you have experienced the speed at which Golden State have played, you can really, really go at them and, uh, you know, figure a few things out. And flip side, Golden State, like, their defense, just the way they smothered Luka was absolutely incredible yesterday, right? Like, every time he was touching the ball, he's basically seeing two Warriors kind of flying at him. He had zero space space in which to work. Same with Brunson, really, as well. And Golden State just went, like, yeah, we're going to fuck up your ball handler. And our rotations are going to be so crisp and quick that as soon as we're doubling, we're sort of checking to go back to where we need to be, and they were really good at it. But I think Dallas will navigate that a little bit better. They'll still lose, but it'll be a closer game. So give me Dallas plus six and a half. Shit, they might even win. Like if Dallas, if Luka goes off, who fucking knows? But flip side, Golden State, they've still got Curry and Clay. So yeah. uh, Sunday, game three, Heat at Celtics. This one's at ten thirty in the morning. So Saturday's game's at eleven. Uh, 10.30 on Sunday. Heat go to Boston. They're shipping up to Boston, and I think they get belted. So give me Boston minus 6.5 because I think this is the game where Boston really lean into going, right, 
Let's get Tatum absolutely fucking cooking. He drops a 40-piece on them, and uh, the Heat, for all of their defensive now, I just don't know if their offense is going to uh, travel. It didn't rock up today at home, so I can't really quite see it popping up in Boston on the road. And like Gabe, Vincent, Max Struess, you never know. They might get fired up, but I think that might be the only thing that keeps the Heat even close, and the Celtics still win by more than 6.5. So I'm taking Celtics minus 6.5. I think with Horford and Smart, just the complexity of their defense against that Heat offense is just miles ahead of where it obviously was in game one. So I think the Celtics roll pretty handily. And then on Monday, Golden State-Dallas game three at 11 a.m. That means we're going to have a bit of a later show on Monday. I haven't minded some of these earlier starts with the uh, Sunday afternoon evening games in the States, but here we go. Either way, Golden State-Dallas game three. So Dallas at home, there's obviously no line for this because we don't know what's happened in Game 2 yet. So I'm just going to go Dallas straight up because I think, similar to the Sun series, even if they go down 2-zip, Dallas fucking throw the kitchen sink at Golden State in Game 3 at home and at least get one on the board. So give me Dallas uh, head-to-head on Monday. and We'll see how we go. <laughs> It'd be very bad if Dallas and Golden State was 3-zip on Monday, but, well... I guess we'll find out then, won't we? So either way, I'll talk to you on Monday, I guess. How good's that? All right. Going to have some amazing games to talk about. I reckon we've had three pretty uh, staid and rubbishy kind of uh, first, you know, games of the conference finals. I think it's going to get fucking crazy and hairy from here on out. So righto, back Monday. In the meantime, make sure you're following NBA Australia on Twitter, Face IG, all over the socials. Check out NFL Australia with myself and Gaz. Big NFL off-season wrap coming up. Uh, Adam with World Wrestling Australia. That's over on YouTube. Go check that out. Uh, FWCIE on Twitter as well. NBAstraya.com slash shop. Get your merch. Get your merch. Go on. Go get a hoodie. There's only a few hoodies left. Fuck, they're comfy as well. Uh, the T-shirts. Go do it. Uh, check us a rating review on your iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, whatever. Check us a heart. Check us a rating. Come on. I don't have Bogey's marketing budget. I don't have News Corp behind me. <laughs> It's just little old me doing it day in, day out, bros. Uh, knowable, go download that. Get 20% off uh, with the code STRAYA. Big thanks go to From Oslo for the intro and outro song. Go check out their new band, House Hats. And big thanks go to Joshua De Laurentiis, Fascinator, Goldmines, Ramshackle Army, iOS, Sex Jedi, and Green, 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 and Dozers for the tunes that you hear throughout the show. Smash them all on Bandcamp, Triple J and Earth, Facey, Apple Music, Spotify, however you listen to your tunes. Remember, NBA Australia supports Australian bands. All right, we'll close out with a classic cooking with Bainsey for you. And we'll catch you on Monday, you dickheads. Have a good weekend. I know I will. This is NBA Australia saying, look after yourselves, would you? And later, Hosanna. Cooking with Bainsey is filmed in front of a socially distanced live studio audience. And now it's time for Cooking with Bainsey with your host, Aaron Bangers Bain.
Oh, <laughs> g'day. G'day, yeah. <laughs> Look at you all there. All nice and separated. Oh, I love having a live audience back. This is bloody great, isn't it? Oh, there's Cheryl. Hello, Cheryl. Look at you. Oh, you happy to be here. Oh, that's bloody great. Anyway, yes, welcome back to Cooking with Bainesy. I'm your host, Aaron Bangers Bainesy. Uh, just recuperating from fall and stuff and everything, but still out here chefing for you. And that's what we're here for in this here episode. I've been learning some new cooking techniques, and this one is an absolute bloody ripper. I'll tell you what, because today we are going to whip up one of my absolute favourites. It is an absolute delicacy, no matter where you go in the world, you can have whenever that iconic classic. It's good for brekkie, lunch, dinner, midnight snack. That's right. It's steak. That's right, bloody steak. That's right, st- I love me steaks, I'll tell you what. And you can follow along with my cooking method because it's easy as, mate. It definitely helps keep up this physique, if you know what I mean. Protein, baby! There you go. So, it is bloody simple, isn't it? All you got to do is go down to your butcher. His name's probably Vasily. Ask him to go, look, Vasily, give me two bloody steaks. And you go, what What type of steak? And like, doesn't matter. Just whatever tickles your fancy Vasily. None of that Wagyu bullshit nonsense. Just give me two good-looking steaks. Two good bloody steaks. Now, make sure you've got a barbie. Some oil and some salt and pepper. And that's it. Fire up your barbie. Get it nice and hot. There you go. There you go. A bit of oil. bit of oil. Then season your steaks ever so lightly with a bit of salt and pepper. Just a bit of a pinch. There you go. And then grab your steak. Bang it on. Now... Don't fucking touch it. None of it. Leave it alone. Don't fucking fiddle with it. Just sit back, grab a tin, and three and a half minutes later, flip that fucker over. There you go. There you go. Hey. Now, leave it alone again. Don't fucking touch it. You heard me. You fuck. don't touch it. Simple as three and a half more minutes and... Look at that. There you bloody go. Look at this one. <laughs> oh, can't wait to get stuck. Oh, but you can't. you got to let it rest for five minutes. Let it sit there. Let it hang out. And that'll be perfectly medium if you want it. You can go rare if you want. You can go hardcore if you want. But either way, that, my friends, is Bob's your fucking uncle, isn't it? Look at it. It's an absolute ripper of a brekkie lunch or dinner. Fucking good old steak. Ah, oh, it's just bloody delicious. Oh, and look, I'm just going to get stuck with this one now. I will. <laughs> That'll do certain precious shillers. Don't you worry about that. Oh, if you know how to cook a steak, you're a long way ahead in life. That's all I know. And if you want to get fancy, have some veggies with it if you want. I love a bit of potato salad. Whip that up. I think we've done one before. So go check that out. It's fucking unreal. All right, how easy was that? Get stuck into it. Do it at home yourselves on your own barbie. you bloody love it. Learn how to cook a steak. And everybody will bloody respect ya. Alright, tune in to NBA Australia next time for a new recipe, and we'll see you then on the next episode of Cooking with Bainsey.